how much diligence is due when you do due diligence? I don't know. That sounds like your problem, but I'm going to solve it for you. So the big question is this, as real estate agents, how do we figure out where and when to cross the finish line of this crazy business? We're told that we need to build a real estate business that supports us after we pay our dues. Well, the truth is, is that so many agents spend decades looking for the finish line and never find it. And I don't know about you, but we'll be damned if we're doing open houses until we're 70. You have to have passive streams of income in your real estate business if you want to survive. Well, this is exactly what we're talking about right here, right now on the Passive Real Estate Agent Podcast. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Passive Real Estate Agent Podcast. I'm Anthony Nitz, and I'm here with my partner, Matt Stewart. Matt Stewart, <laughs> We're yeah. Get the timing down one of these days. He was so excited. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we're glad that you guys are here. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing well. I, I hope you're doing okay today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, doing great. Just, uh, you know, another busy day, making things happen. You know, that's what we got to do every single day. You got to hustle. And That's work right. hard, but there's simple ways to to do that. Today on today's episode, uh, Matt is going to be talking about doing due diligence, and I'm going to guess that it's while it's so important to do, it's probably not as ominous as a lot of people think, right? Because it's right. Yeah, you know, you'll have checklists uh, to make sure you're hitting each mark, and um, but yeah, I'll go into after actually three parts that you're going to be looking at. And uh, yeah, so I'll go. It's like, it's like anything that has that has a that that is uh, consistent. Is you you have a system. You put a yeah. system in place and makes Absolutely. it work and everything, right? Yeah. Um, and what I want to talk about today is I want to talk about your problems, your problems. What's your problem, Matt? Well, uh, I, I need a nice comfy couch, and I'll I'll, I'll lean back, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you all about my problems. Nice. You need a need a recliner. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, uh, I talk to agents all the time, and they come to me and they go, you know, Anthony, I've got to do, you know, I've got to get business. I got to stand out. I got to be different. I got to get people who actually want to talk to me, who want to call me, who want to uh, use my services and all that stuff, right? And if you guys know me, you know that I am a huge fan of inbound marketing, right? Inbound marketing. And what I mean by that is people actually call me. They call me and they say, Anthony, we have a house to sell. Can you sell our house? Gee, I don't know. Let me think about it. Yeah, sure. Of course I can. Um, as opposed to um, banging on the phones every single day, doing 100 calls a day and that sort of thing. I mean, that's there's an effective strategy and that's right for the right person, right? But I know that there's a lot of people in our uh, industry, in our space, that is really, um, it's painful for them to do that, that type of prospecting. So I got to take my jacket off here, get a little warm. Um, uh, in our space, you know, it's painful for them to kind of go, yeah, we've got to, you know, call, 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 knock, knock, knock. Um, um, you know, beg people to do business with us. And it doesn't have to be like that at all. It doesn't have to be like that at all. But what do people, what do, what do we resort to? And a lot of times on social media and stuff, we resort to uh, what we call, you know, um, uh, property bait, 
right? So every agent out there, if you look, you follow agents on social media, like I do, you see everybody puts, puts property out there. Hey, you know, this beautiful three bedroom, two bath, blah, 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 over here for this price. And it's available. Call me, blah, blah, blah. Right. And it works to a certain degree. It sure it works to a certain degree, but you know, as well as I do, it's more about getting leads where in my opinion, leads are not as good as prospects. <laughs> okay. Again, right. inbound calls, I consider prospects. And, you know, so, so we, we, we do all this stuff, but I'm going to challenge you to think about it, your marketing in a little bit different way. And what I like to ask people is I, you know, I kind of try to figure out what is their actual problem and how do I solve it? Okay. So let's, let's look at it from this perspective. So a seller, when a seller decides that they're going to um, sell their house, they've got a whole new set of problems that come up for them, a whole bunch that come up for them. One of them is finding a real estate agent, right? Well, in social media, you've got a thousand real estate agents that are posting, hey, list with me. Here's why we're the best, you know, hire the best, blah, 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 right? The challenge with this is that there's a thousand agents posting the same stuff and it becomes uh, brand um, not even brand, but um, uh, ego marketing, right? It's like, we're number one, right? And I'm sure you've heard this before from, from different marketers and different coaches and trainers and things like that. We're, you know, you're out there promoting we're number one. People don't care about you being number one. They care about, are we getting, you know, the best when we hire you? But what you have to do is you have to get into, in front of them in that stream of, uh, uh, their thought process of getting to the point where they have to actually call an agent, right? Because there's a lot of things that happen, Matt. I mean, tons of stuff happens for a home seller when they are sitting there at the coffee table and, and, and they say, honey, I think it's time to sell the house. There's actually a bunch of things that happened before that. There's thought process. There's a bill that was missed. There is a second bill that was missed. Oh no, somebody got laid off. Somebody got you know, pregnant and needs a bigger house, somebody, you know, and, and, and things start happening in their life that says that leads them to the point where they go, okay, now we've got uh, to move. We've got to sell our house and move to a bigger house, smaller house, out of state, whatever it is. Right. <clears throat> and then when they get to that point, there's still a whole other set of problems, right? They've got to figure out, okay, how do we figure out what the price is? How do we figure out what the, how to stage and, and present the house? Finding a storage company that we can put all of our junk in so our house looks nice. Um, uh, um, you know, getting a landscaper to, 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 to freshen up the front yard so that we actually have good curb appeal and get people to get out of the car and actually walk into the house, right? They have, these are all sorts of problems that people have in any business, in any situation, any scenario, <clears throat> if you can think about what are those problems ahead of time, then you can capture those people, get them endeared to you long before they actually make that decision to call a real estate agent. And hopefully the idea is, you know what, Anthony, we've been getting, and I get this all the time, Anthony, we've been getting your, your, your newsletters, your updates, your emails, your, we see your ads, we see all this stuff. Um, and, we love the videos that you do on how to, you know, uh, present the house properly, how to uh, get a great curb appeal, how to, you know, get your house ready for sale, how to understand 
you know, negotiating commissions, how to, you know, I mean, all these things, things that people think about long before they ever come to the point where they have to hire an agent. And so there's kind of a process that I go through when I, when I think about this. Number one is I go, okay, what is the, the immediate problem? The immediate problem is we got to sell a house. Okay. In this case, now it could be a buyer and, uh, and keep in mind that it could be different niches as well. Right. So let's just talk about seller. So there could be a seller, just a traditional sale. They got to move. There's, you know, something came up, a life event happened. They decided, you know, it's time to move up, move down. Okay. So then you got to go, okay, are they a move up or move down buyer or I mean seller? Okay. Well, you don't know that because you don't know if they are going to, you know, what they're going to be doing. Now I like to focus on move up buyers because when I do the math and I go and I have my numbers written on the board right here. Um, um, if I list one house at 600,000 statistically, they're buying a replacement house at 800,000. Okay. So yeah, of course, I don't want to focus on move down. Right. Mm -hmm. So I would write articles about the processes somebody you have to go when you're planning on moving to a bigger house. Okay. And then you think about just, you, you, you go deep on the, on the problem discovery. You say, okay, they got to sell the house. They want to move up. Okay. What is the underlying problem? What got them there? Well, if they're moving up, it's probably because in many cases, a couple of things. Number one, they have an expanding family. Number two, they, have, they already have a, a, a large family and they're cramped and they're locked down in COVID and they're realizing, my God, we are all over each other, right? right. Um, or they are, um, or something has changed in their employment where now they're finally making the money that they want to make, right? And they go, we can do it you know, or even interest rates drop to ridiculous low levels, something like that. Affordability changes for them. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so what I would do is I would take those and start with those and just start creating content around that. And what I would do is I'd create a whole series of those and make sure that I get, get those out there and do it in a way where I'm getting good search engine optimization using the, the correct titles, but also I will create the content and then I will run ads to home owners and they will see that, that, that article that simply talks about, you know, what do you need to do to freshen up your, um, your front yard? Okay. And then I give them an opportunity to click on a, on a, on a link to download the free report on how to, um, how to get their heart, their yard ready, right. How to, uh, move, how to, how to make moving easy when you have kids, how to make moving easy when you have pets, right? Things like that. These are things that people are thinking about when they're deciding to make that transition. And now, so what I've done is I've cut way into the front of the line. And if I can get in front of them there and I can just keep giving them good content. And now I've hopefully captured their emails. Now I can continue to send them more information, more information, more information, and stay on top of mind, eventually get their, their phone, their address, their whatever, right? Get them a property valuation, moving on and all that stuff. So figuring out what people's problems are, 
that is probably one of your most important thing. I tell people this all the time on your real estate license. Uh, it says salesperson or it says, you know, a broker or broker associate or whatever. Right. Uh, it's a lie. It is a lie. You are not a salesperson. You are not a salesperson at all. Sales is a function of the result of your marketing. Okay. Sales means nothing. If you have no leads, if you have no, nobody reaching out to you saying, Hey, we're thinking about selling our house or we're thinking about buying first time buyers, right. you know, move up buyers, vacation buyers, trend, you know, variety of transitional type of things, right? People who want to buy houses for their kids. There's all, there's so many different angles. So what I would suggest you do is find out what those problems are and start creating content series on those things. And then one of the other things, and this is my final thought on this is that what happens to me all the time is I get people who call me, I'm in Orange County, California, right? So I'm not, I'm, I'm nowhere near the East coast. I get calls from Pennsylvania, from Montana, from Texas, from uh, Oklahoma, from, and I like, Hey, you know what? We saw your article. We read your article. And this is the beauty of, of, of the internet, right? In the olden days, probably just only a few short years ago, I would say, you know, I'm sorry, I don't work in Oklahoma, but because of the system that we have set up, now that we'd love to have you be a part of and love to invite you to come and learn more about, uh, we, I'm able to refer those to people all over the nation and not worry about having to chase down commission checks, right? That's the biggest problem with referrals is you, you get, you get on realtor.com, you look somebody up, Oh, they look nice. They look like a good person, right? Same, same thing everybody else does when they hire an agent, you know, they're, they look so friendly. I like their smile. They've never sold a house before, but they look Not nice, <laughs> you know, and then, uh, and you send them the referral and then like three, four months later, you're going, what's going on with that listing? And you can't get a hold of them or they're ghosting you. You call their broker and they're like, well, too bad. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to pay a commission on it. Right. I've had it happen. So our system ensures that to be done and you can set up a call with me or Matt uh, to talk about that. Uh, just by going to our website, we'll talk more about that afterwards. But, you know, we talk about things like doing due diligence too, right? Uh, so now that's all of the marketing stuff that you're talking about, holding their hands, figuring out what's going on. I mean, that's, that takes a lot of listening and a lot of skills to know how to, how to respond to them, right? Well, it's human nature. You know what I mean? I mean, just, you just think about human nature, right? You go, because if you're trying to solve people's problems, you are, you're, you're, you're just, all you have to do is look around and, <coughs> excuse me, see what, these people are dealing with what, what is their, their problem and figuring out how to solve it. Right. So that's really what it comes down to, you know? Sure. So, <coughs> sorry. <coughs> um, but Matt, so we're going to uh, let's, let's, let's cut over to you though. I mean, cause you've got some, some valuable information here to share about, sure. you know, about doing due diligence. Due diligence applies to a lot of things. It's not just 
investing in real estate. I mean, even if you're doing marketing and advertising and this and that, right, you got to do due diligence, which is right. finding out a problem. Due diligence is a problem that needs to be solved, right? It is. It is. Yeah. And you're basically with, with due diligence is, am I getting what I'm expecting to buy? Like, I, I, am I, I'm being promised something and now I'm going to verify that what I'm being promised is actually, uh, you know, the truth is um, nothing short of that. So yeah, we're talking about uh, multifamily apartments. You've, uh, we, you know, like the last episode that we spoke about, we were writing a letter of intent. Uh, we've, we've analyzed the deal. We've looked at the numbers and it looks good. Now we've written an, uh, an offer or a letter of intent to the, to the seller. And the seller says, yes, I want to do I want to do this with you. Now what you do is the due diligence uh, portion of that. Uh, and there's actually three parts to due diligence when it comes to multifamily. There's the financial, there's the physical, and then there's the legal uh, aspects. Uh, and the first thing you're going to be doing is the, the financial. Uh, you want to make sure that, like I was saying, what you believe you're buying is actually true. So this gives the seller the chance to prove their, the income because you're, you're basing your offer on the income of the property. Uh, so they're gonna be, give you operating statements from the last three years, the rent roll, the profit and loss and, and all those things, you're gonna verify that. If at that point things look good, great, you can move on to other things. Otherwise you're gonna either renegotiate or you're gonna walk away uh, because if it's not true, then that affects the performance of the property. But if, if the numbers do look good, then what you're going to do is you're going to look at legal. Uh, you're going to get a good attorney, look at the title. Is the title clear? Is there anything hindering the, the, the transfer of the, the uh, title or the property into your uh, name? Uh, because realistically, investors will, after a few years, choose to sell. Some of them will hold for a longer period of time but some people will hold for three, four years and then sell. You don't want things to hinder that sale. So you, you have an attorney, you look up title. If there's problems, the attorney will help fix it. And then what you're gonna do is you're gonna do the physical uh, inspections. Now there's gonna be money that you're spending uh, on an engineer or an inspector. Uh, they're gonna go and look at the roofs and the boilers and all the physical things and so, this is why you want to do the financial thing first, because if the financial stuff performance of the property doesn't make sense, you don't want to spend money on a, on other things. So, um, so yeah, now if everything, if the finance is good, now you've done title, now you're going to do the physical and just verify what kind of expenses are, are you're going to uh, look at be looking at once you take ownership. Um, hopefully that won't be anything major. But um, you know, maybe it's there's some cosmetic things you're gonna do, but for the most part, that's that's the last thing you'll you'll be doing to uh, before you actually uh, close. So on the financial part of it, because this is probably the most important part of it, right? Yes. Physical stuff, it can be fixed. I mean, barring you know it being built on top of an old, you know oil refinery, right. Um, <laughs> right. Which would be a problem. Um, but physical stuff, it's easy to fix. It's, it's, you know, you get a contractor in there and just fix it. Right. Uh, right. but it's a cost, it's an expense. Right. Uh, but the financial part is always the biggest part. And this is, this is the thing that I've run into, you know, more often than not is that, 
the financial part doesn't sometimes match up to right. what it is that they're initially telling you, right? So like you look at the MLS and it says, oh, you have a cap rate of this and here's what the rents are and things like that. And then you start digging in and you go, I want to see the actual lease agreements. Oh, that's huge. Then what? <laughs> that's, that's huge because if, if you don't have legal documents, then who's there? You know, who's, who's actually, actually occupying your, your, um, your units. And like, especially in a place like California, the laws are set up that are very favorable to the tenants. So if, if you're an owner and you have to evict someone, it's a very expensive proposition to hire a lawyer and have them go to court to evict that person. Uh, even if there's no agreement, but they're, they're squatters, for example, you know, that's, you want to know what's going on before you, you actually take ownership. Right. So it's, so it's critical. And, and if you yourself don't know, gee, what am I actually looking at? What are the numbers that I'm looking at here? And, and, and is it good? Is it bad in that due diligence? Cause you know, I, I mean, look, I don't personally invest in multi-unit properties. Um, and so if, so if I was looking at a 15 unit building and somebody handed me, you know, their books, I could come to a reasonable conclusion but at, the, at, at some point in time, I'm like, I would be like, I don't know. I, 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 what does this mean? And how does right. this translate and things like that? So what do you do if you don't know? Well, first about- of all, I, I, I've talked about this in the past. You, wanna, you want education. You want to train yourself up a little bit so that you know what's going on. But before you get to uh, looking at numbers and so forth, you're going to come to uh, some sort of understanding of what kind of numbers you're looking for before you actually see a property because you're going to look you're going to be able to the numbers are going to be more understandable if you know that i want a cap rate of 10 percent and i want cash on cash of eight percent i mean those are like for some people like what what's all that mean but if you if you take some time to learn what those are and know what your personal goals are like some people are okay with a, a lower cap rate. Um, some people want a higher cap rate and that's, they won't look at things that are lower. So it, those are the ideas that you, before you actually start analyzing, you wanna take some classes, some training, uh, reading, so that you can understand what, what those numbers mean. Um, and then, then it's gonna make, it's gonna be easier to come to some sort of a, a reasonable understanding of, of what you're looking at yeah. and whether it's and if you want go to go to the passive real estate agent.com uh, and uh, click on the contact and, and reach out to Matt set up an appointment yeah. with him he'll get you pointed in the right direction so absolutely there's, what about there's a lot legal? of resources yeah what about legal um, so legal we're talking about you have an attorney depending on where you are it's either an attorney or a title company that's right. looking right at the at the the, the. Yeah, each state's different some are, are attorney states some are title escrow uh but there's a service that's going to make sure that yeah this person uh owns uh, owns it clear there's no other encumbrances or easements um i've met a person who uh when i was doing notary work they refinanced their house 10 years ago had a heloc uh, like where they were pulling cash out of of the uh, property and then they refinanced, they paid it off, but that escrow company failed to close their, uh, the, the HELOC, the, uh, oh the line of credit. Well, wow. they refinanced a bunch of times over the years 
and most banks were like, no problem. But finally, they, when I came down to, to do the loan closing, there was a no-go. The bank says, you've got to lean on your, your, uh, on your property. We can't close. So it was, it was a lot of extra time and uh, uh, effort to deal with that thing that happened 10 years, 10 years ago. Um, there was no money owed. I mean, they, they, they took care of it properly. It's just somebody forgot to record that this was a closed thing. And so you, that's why you look at that. Now, um, that can hinder your, your ability to sell the property if, if you're trying to do that. So yeah. you, you, that's why you want to have a, an attorney or title or escrow look at those things and, and make sure everything's clear. And, and I, I, a perfect example of that, I have uh, a, a client we're helping them get through a refinance and, um, and they had on their last refinance, they had eight liens that they had to clear. Wow. variety of things, uh, tax liens and this and that and everything. Right. And they cleared it on those eight liens. Yeah. However, not a single one of them was recorded as clear. And so as we're going through this process, uh, we are going, oh, oh my gosh, you got eight liens. We got to get that clear. Uh, and he's like, what? No. You know, now he had to spend an exorbitant amount of time digging through old paperwork to find that no here's this one that's paid off here's this one that's paid off here's this you know and he gave it all to us but yeah you know those things happen and i had another one this this is actually probably my favorite one i say favorite as i roll my eyes <laughs> um where i had a um uh single father two kids in a house you know nice house well kept uh they you know very you know loving family and all that stuff uh mom left 15 years before right left up and left nobody heard a single thing from her wow. nothing at all right well comes time he decides that he wants to sell the house guess who shows up out of the you know thin blue sky mom i want my half what you know first of all how they how do you know we were selling <laughs> you yeah know? But even in that case, the title company was going, you know, well, you know, mom's still on here. We don't, nobody knows how to get a hold of her. Nobody knows how to do this. The title company would not insure it without, um, you know, having mom, mom sign off a quick claim deed or having some sort of court order or having her declared deceased or something like that. Cause they, right. they had no clue yet. Right in the middle of escrow, she shows up and says, I want my half, you know? So that was not cool, but you know, uh, technically in California, I guess, you know, she has, she has the right to do that. Um, uh, so that's legal. we got physical, obviously physical. Like I said, it's just, you know, you want to check. So on physical, we're looking at mostly systems, safety and structure, right? Right. Things that, that I'm going to have to pay for once I take possession, you want to, yeah. you want to be aware of those things. Would, would anything, uh, caused me to want to re renegotiate with the seller or right. ask for an allowance uh, back at closing. Uh, because, you know, if, if you don't know about it, you still own it, even if you, right. you weren't aware of it. So you want a good qualified person showing you everything that's, that needs attention. Right. So, so if you're looking at systems, you're looking at like roof, plumbing. Roof, plumbing, uh, HVAC, boilers. A lot of times it, um, yeah. The, these big complexes will use boilers for their heaters. 
Um, those are real expensive to, to fix. Um, but yeah, things, larger stuff, foundation work. Yeah. Uh, foundation stuff. And here's oh, another thing, soil samples, samples. You could have a dry cleaner across the street down a little ways and they've leaked chemicals into the ground mm -hmm. and those chemicals have traveled underground through the soil onto your property. Guess what? Yeah. That's your problem. Yeah, You're going to yeah, have yeah. to clean that up. It's not their problem. It's on your property. Right. So these are things that you want to be aware of um, before, before you, you know, sign off. Right. 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 Yeah. And, and then you you know, the safety stuff too, because obviously, like you said, the chemicals and things like that, but I mean, you could have simple things like trip hazards. Yep. Um, you know, if there's, if there's something, you know, uh, exposed wiring, things sure. like that, you know, I mean, we've seen all kinds of crazy stuff, you know, and it's little stuff. A lot of times it's just little stuff, but it's important because, you know, are there code violations? Yeah, code violations. Uh, you yeah. know, things that were, you know, they added something to the, to the building that was not permitted, you know, that, that becomes your responsibility to fix. Right. Um, so, you know, there's, there's my damage and all that stuff too. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, well, I don't know. Do they have termites in Texas? I think you uh, have termites sure. that are this big, don't you? Yeah, they're larger than in, in California. Oh, larger, okay. Yeah. By, you know, by a 10 factor. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. But, so it's important to do your due diligence is what yeah. you're saying. That's, that's what you're saying in the end. Yes. Do the due diligence <laughs> diligently. Yeah, diligent. How much diligence? Do, how much diligence do you have to do when you do due diligence? That's kind of like how much wood could a woodchuck check? I was just thinking wood? that. <laughs> I was gonna. You beat me to the punch, Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Well, you know, I think yeah, that's so important. And due diligence is so important, just in every aspect of life, right? Yeah. I mean, especially when you're buying properties. You know, folks, we spend more time. We spend more time researching and studying and learning all the specs and details about our new cell phone than we do on looking at our, our new home that we're going to live in. That's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds or, or millions of dollars, right? So why wouldn't you do the due diligence on it? Well, because it's, you know, it takes, takes work and everything, but if you're with the right person, if you've got the right team, Matt's only talked about this ten times. Yeah, you know, um, if you got the right team, you know, it's easy and it's worth it. It's worth it, right? Because that's where people go wrong is they take shortcuts, right? Well, yeah. I mean, that that's if anything, if you can remember anything, get good people around you. Yeah, and pay them. So I have a I have a philosophy. So people they come to me and they say. Uh, you know, uh, uh, they go, well, yeah, we'll do this work for you, you know, and it's going to be, you know, 500 bucks. You know what I always do? I always slip them an extra hundred bucks. Sure. And, and I'll tell you why I do that. And I don't make a big deal of it. I don't do anything. I just, I go, you know, oh, that's right. And then you learned it, you know? Right. And the reason is because when they're going to all the other guys and they're doing their inspections and they're doing their research and they're doing their work and, and whatnot, and then I call them up. They're happy as a clam to come and work for me. And yeah, do, Anthony do takes it. good care of me. I'm going to. Yeah. And they're going to do a little bit extra, a little bit extra more than the other, the other folks because they don't want to take care of them, you know? So don't right. be selfish and stingy and, and worried about dollars because you worry about a, a few dollars now, it's going to cost you a lot of dollars in the future. Absolutely. Right? So anyways, guys, so think about your, think about how to uh, solve your customers 
problems. Go deep on it. Say, well, if they've got this problem, how do what what's what are the problems that lead up to that? And then what are the problems that lead up to that? What are the problems that lead up to that? Anticipation of, yeah. of those. Needs. And start, yeah. And and it could be people buying multi-unit properties. It could be a single-family house. It could be a condo. It could be a mobile home. I don't know. You know, but whatever it is, figure out what those problems are and answer, address those problems up front, and you'll get a whole whole whole, whole lot more leverage than you will if. Uh, you're just out there putting property bait and, uh, and saying, we're number one, use us, right? right. So right. guys, if you want to reach out to us, get a hold of us, you know, we'd love to talk to you. Uh, you know, we uh, answer any questions that you guys have. You want to talk to me about marketing, then uh, let's talk. If you want to talk to Matt about uh, investing in properties, then uh, I know he'll happy to do that as well. Sure. Just go to thepassiverealestateagent.com and click on the contact tab and schedule a call with us. We'd love to do it. Looking we'll see forward you to it. All right. Take care, Matt. Have a good night. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the Passive Real Estate Agent Podcast. Hey, do us a favor and subscribe to us on whatever platform you're listening to us right now. Don't forget the likes and the comments. We always appreciate it. And, you know, it really helps others to find this valuable information. Now, look, there's something that both Matt and I and several of our guests have discovered that has radically changed our real estate job into a truly passive income. And it's a little controversial. And that's why we really don't discuss it on the show. But we'd like to invite those truly entrepreneurial individuals to learn more. Just visit thepassiverealestateagent.com and join one of our upcoming webinars. You'll thank yourself later that you did. Thanks again so much for listening. Take care.